You're listening to the teaching of Calvary Paris. For more information, go to www.calvaryparis.com. And now, if you have your Bibles, let's do what we're here to do. Get into the Word. Turn to Nehemiah chapter 6 this morning. Nehemiah chapter 6 is where we're going to be. And as you're turning there, if you do give to Calvary Chapel Paris, we don't pass the bag or the plate here. The boxes are attached to the wall in the back, or you can give online here to support the work of the ministry. But we are moving through the book of Nehemiah today. We're in chapter 6 and prayerfully going to go through chapter 6 and chapter 7 as we continue and as we actually see the first section of the book of Nehemiah come to an end today in our study. We're going to be moving through these two chapters, and if you're taking notes, the title for today's message is simply, The Work Completed. The Work Completed. And you can find the study guide for, for this study on our church app, or it is already linked on Facebook as well. And you know by, by, by now, if you've been with us, and if you haven't, you're going to learn it if you stick with us, that Nehemiah breaks down into two distinct sections. The first section, which we're going to finish today, chapters 1 through 7, is all about rebuilding a city, where we see there Nehemiah leading a company of, of people to build literally the walls surrounding Jerusalem, so as to reestablish themselves in a secure way as God's people in the city that God has given them. And then next week, what we're going to see in the second section of Nehemiah, chapters 8 through 13, is not that of a rebuilding of a city, but the restoring of a people, where once the walls are rebuilt, the physical walls, well, then comes the rebuilding and the reestablishing of God's people as God's people to the Lord. And that's going to happen through the reading of God's word and the surrendering of God's people through the reading of his word in repentance to follow after him and to stand with him. And we're going to see that as we move through. And all through the book of Nehemiah, certain themes we have seen play out and point out to us. And some of those have been such as rebuilding and restoring, living on mission. Those are overarching themes within this book. But also, too, along with living on mission come some things that accompany that. The fact that burden, well, it precedes and accompanies mission. We see that Nehemiah felt the burden for the walls in Jerusalem to be built. So he prayed, he sought the Lord, the burden grew, and now he is there doing the work. Along with the burden comes prayer. Prayer that is essential before the mission and during the mission because to do God's work, you need to be talking to the Lord. Mission also means work, and we've seen, indeed, physical work. Next week, we're going to start seeing the spiritual work that goes into it, and both are, are not exclusive of one another. As they've been building the wall, so they've been doing physical and spiritual labor and warfare as well, and that will only continue. And speaking of that warfare, something else that we've seen from this that we don't like but is absolutely true is that mission brings opposition. That mission, as you step out for the Lord, as you seek to do for God, you can expect opposition from our very real enemy, Satan, who the Bible says walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, and also our flesh, which seeks to say, hey, let's do anything other than what God wants us. But though mission brings opposition, we know that God is with us in the opposition and fighting and standing with us and helping us be able to stand. And I'm so thankful for that, and we will continue to see that. And today, like our title indicates, as we move through these last two chapters of this first section, we are going to see today the work, the physical work of the walls of Jerusalem completed there by Nehemiah and his company. And our main man, Nehemiah, has been, we know, leading this company of builders there in Jerusalem after he was burdened by the Lord, like I said, to come and take on this project. 
And through much opposition, we have seen both from outside and from within inside the ranks of the workers, the work has continued to carry on. They have pressed forward and God has been faithful. And we will continue to see the Lord be faithful. We'll continue to see God work and Nehemiah shine through as an example of a leader and a man of God as we open up in chapter 6 today with, spoiler alert, more opposition continuing on. Even as the work, as we're going to see, nears the end, the opposition, it doesn't take a break. It only intensifies. And as we pick up today, what we're going to do is we're actually going to read a little bit more than we normally do when we start out in a study. We're going to read the first 14 verses of this, of this chapter because it gives us a whole picture of the opposition that is now coming against the builders as they are nearing the end of their work. So with that said, let's pick up in verse 1 of Nehemiah chapter 6 and let's move into God's word. Where it says, now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there were no breaks in it, though at that time I had not hung the doors in the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me harm. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? But they sent me this message four times, and I answered them in the same manner. Then Sembalat sent his servant to me as before the fifth time with an open letter in his hand. And in it was written that it is reported amongst the nations. And Geshem says that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, you are rebuilding the wall that you may be their king. And you have also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem, saying there is a king in Judah. Now these matters will be reported to the king. So come, therefore, and let us consult together. And I sent to them saying, no such thing as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own hearts. For they all were trying to make us afraid, saying their hands will be weakened in the work and it will not be done. So now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. And then afterward, I came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Methabel, who was a secret informer. And he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us close the doors of the temple for they are coming to kill you. And indeed at night, they will come to kill you. And I said, should such a man as I flee? And who is there as I would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. Then I perceived that God had not sent him at all, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Samballat had hired him. And so for this reason, he was hired that I should be afraid and act that way and sin so that they might have cause for an evil report that they might reproach me. My God remembered Tobiah and Samballat according to their works and the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who would have me afraid. Let's pray before we move forward. God, thank you so much for this day. God, indeed, thank you for your wonderful, amazing love that is extended towards us, God, that we sang about just a few moments ago. And thank you, God, also for your kindness in giving us your word and giving us the Bible that we may study it and know it and see the truth within it that we are to apply to our lives. And I, I pray today that, God, as we are here for you, as we are here to hear from you, God, you would speak so clearly that we would open our hearts and minds to listen to you and allow you to be our teacher and allow you, God, to work in us and so and in so doing, work through us. And so, God, we pray for this time. Lord, we ask for your help. I ask for your help, Lord, in teaching the Bible effectively only for your glory and for the moving forward of your mission, that, God, we would together grow in you and know how to serve you in this world. And I pray this expectantly in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. Well, like I said, though the work, as we see, is nearing its end, as we just saw, the opposition continues to come against the work. And three distinct and different tactics are what we see here from our enemy as they are here in these verses. And all of them, we notice, are not so much against the work itself, but they are now geared towards Nehemiah individually. And all of these attempts, they seek to draw him away from the work. They seek to do him physical and mental harm. And we're going to see Nehemiah's responses to them and how he continues to move forward. Notice with me as we backtrack up to verse 1, the first attack that comes at Nehemiah, it's a seemingly peaceful one. A seemingly peaceful one is the enemy seeks to draw him away from the work that he's doing. The enemy comes there to Nehemiah in some way and he, they invite him out away from the work to talk about things. Verse 2 says that they invite him to the plain of Ono, which outside of the walls of Jerusalem would have been this, this neutral area, this neutral territory, what would have been considered there a safe place. However, we know that they planned anything but a neutral meeting towards Nehemiah. And so the invitation to the plain of Ono, Nehemiah appropriately says, oh no, I'm not going out there to meet you guys. And that, there it is. And you notice the reason that he gives. It's not, not because he, he comes out and says that, hey, you mean to do me harm. Notice he doesn't even deal with that. Notice that he says there, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I, live, while I leave it and go down to you? Nehemiah knows as he has this entire time, that they are seeking to do him harm. They know that he is, they are seeking to get him away, to do him harm, to remove him from the equation. But he doesn't even address that. He simply says, hey, look, my priority is here on the wall. He says, my priority is here working and doing, and that is what I need to focus on. The focus that he has and needs to continue to have was the wall, and he let them know that. He asked why he should stop the work that is good, that is of the Lord, and that is at this time nearing the end. He's like, we're so close. He's like, I would be out of my mind to come to you. Why should he deviate from the priority to come and meet? And like I said, and like you see in the text, they do this four times. Four distinct times, they come to Nehemiah and they're like, hey, you should meet us out here so we can talk about things. Come out to this neutral territory and let's have a conversation. And four times we see here, it's indicated in the text that Nehemiah said, I will not be drawn away from the priority that I'm working on. And we keep that in mind as the attack then changes forms a bit. Because we see here that they seek to say, hey, come and meet with us in a neutral place. We just want to talk things out. He says, no way. And then when that doesn't work after four times, they change the tactic, and then they seek, notice, to threaten the work again. They seek to threaten the work. In verse 5, it says that on the fifth time that Sembalat sends someone, they change tactics a bit, and he sends a servant with an open letter there to Nehemiah. Now, you'll remember that Nehemiah, before he came to Jerusalem to build the wall, that he was the king's cupbearer. He was involved very heavily within the court of the king. And so right off the bat, knowing the process and how things would work, if this was an official there from the land who was coming, as the letter reads, to speak about, hey, the king having a problem or the potential of the king having a problem, well, Nehemiah would have known, you're not bringing me an open letter. You're going to bring me a letter that is sealed and that is addressed to me. And so you coming here with this open letter of threatening to the work, well, that's just not going to fly. He would have known better. But what they tried, as you read there in verses 6 through 7, is threatening against the work, saying that there are reports, that there are rumors of the Jews building so as to fortify, so as to rebel. And then taking it a step further, they seek to say, hey, the rumor is that you have prophets in the land who are claiming that you 
are going to be the king, that you are a king there in Judah and you are building to fortify and to ultimately rebel. And as a result, they invite him again to consult with them, to talk things out, to clear things up. Perhaps they send it to him in a way of saying, hey, you're in trouble with the king. We can help you out. Come and meet us again, which of course was deception. This was just an empty lie and threatening that was brought once again against Nehemiah. And Nehemiah calls it out, saying that they invent them in their hearts, and none of what they're saying is true. What's more is he recognizes that this is just a scare tactic. He recognizes that this is just an attack to seek to deviate him from the work, to get him away. And Nehemiah's answer, much like before, is secure. Not only in the priority of the work, which was huge. He says, hey, look, no matter what it is, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, he's like, I need to stick here where I'm working. The priority is what God has called me to, but also in the provision and power of the Lord, we see him continue to work. He says that this threat, these rumors, this idea that he is building an empire and a kingdom that is coming against the king of Persia as he's fortifying Jerusalem, he says that's ridiculous. And much more, he stands in the provision and the power of God saying it's him who is leading us. It is him who is giving us the provision to be here. And he says there in verse nine, so therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. He says, I know where I'm standing. I know who's providing for this work. I know whose power is moving this work. And so he answers and says, we're, we're not coming out there. And then he asks the Lord, hey, help me to stand in this. The threat is nothing new. And the power to overcome the threatening wasn't new for Nehemiah either. He knew what he needed. He knew where he stood. And he answered accordingly. And then the last attack comes as we move through from without and both within, as we see this secret conspirator seek to draw Nehemiah into a trap, no doubt hoping to trap him, to kill him, and to make a profit off of it. We see this attack seeks to kill the work by killing the man. Where in verse 10, it introduces us to this man by the name of Shemaiah, who was a secret informer of the enemy which sadly is all too often the case within the, the work of God, is that those with inside are used by the enemy. And that is a sad thing, but he seeks to put fear there into Nehemiah's heart. He goes and he says, hey, look, the attack is not just from outside anymore. It's no longer just that which is coming against the workers on the wall. It's inside the wall. He says, so what you need to do is understand they're here to kill you. They're going to come and to take you. So come with me into the temple. Come with me and you will be safe. And I love Nehemiah's answer. Because before he lets the reader know that he believes this is a lie of the enemy, notice he shows no fear, right? Like his answer is like, am I a guy that would hide? He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, I'm Nehemiah. I don't hide from anything. Like he's like, am I a man that would need to flee? Am I a man that would need to go and to hide? Am I a man that would need to run when all the way up until now, I haven't done so? He's like, why would I do that? And then he calls out the sin. He calls out Shemaiah there. And he's like, ah, no, you're, you're, you're a secret informer. He calls it for what it is. He recognizes that if he gives into the fear, falls into this, not only is he going to set himself up to get taken out, because indeed there was conspiracy against him, but more importantly, he was going to pass a cloud of doubt amongst the people. He was going to pass a cloud of doubts because he had been bold up to this point. And so if here he ends it and quits right at the very end of the work, well, that would be the wrong message. And so what these three attacks, what we see them try to do, we see them again try to draw Nehemiah away from the work, to draw him out with the talk of peace and consulting in a neutral territory. Though Nehemiah said, hey, I'm not even going to deal with that knowing that it's a lie. I'm just going to say my priority is the work. He didn't need to leave. 
They sought to threaten the work with deception and rumors. But again, he knew where he stood. He knew who provided for the work and where the power for the work came. And so he stood in that and he prayed avidly for more of that. And lastly, we see that they tried to kill the work by putting fear into Nehemiah from within the walls, saying, hey, go and hide, knowing very well that as the people would have seen their fearless leader become fearful, that they would have scattered and run away. But Nehemiah says, I am positionally secure in who I am and who the Lord has me as. And he says, I'm not going to go and hide. I'm not going to do it. And the same continued attack and methods that we see used here, the ones that we see as the enemy tries to come, they are spot on how the enemy often will attack the work of God here today in our lives as well. Like if the enemy can distract you, even with the things that are seemingly good or just distract you from the work, get you off of the priority of God's work, man, he's all for that. And it doesn't even have to be with a sin. It can just be some neutral thing that you wrap your heart and mind up in instead of what he wants. If he can get you off the priority, well, he gains a foothold. If the enemy can threaten you and cause you to doubt, to shrink back from the work in whatever way it may be, may it, may it be from rumors or thoughts or the idea of what someone thinks about you, and you remove yourself for forgetting who gives you the power and who provides for the work, well, then the enemy wins. And if the enemy can get you to a sense of opposition that is growing to cause you to shrink back, to say, ah, you know, I don't need to be doing this. Indeed, it's too big. It's too scary. I need to just back up. Well, then the enemy, of course, wins because you stop. And what is needed in all of these instances that come against us day in and day out, that are a real thing for the church, for the mission of God today, is for us to do what Nehemiah does. To lean into the Lord and say, no, my priority above everything is walking with God and serving him in the way he's called me to. My position, my provision, my power comes from the Lord. And no matter what rumor, no matter what thing, no matter what attack from the enemy comes my way, I can overcome it through him and pray that the Lord would strengthen just as Nehemiah does. And in the same way that Nehemiah did not shrink back, he knew where he stood and who he stood with, so too can we as well. So too can we stand as the church knowing that our priority is to be giving glory to the Lord and walking with him in our life. Knowing that our provision, our power comes from the Lord and our position that we stand in. And it's amazing to see that we have the ability to stand in the Lord's and to know that he is with us to where we don't have to let the work start, stop. We don't have to let the work go away. And sadly, that is often not the case because there is so much within this world that can deviate us from the work of the Lord, can deviate us from just pouring into a relationship with the Lord. There's so much within this world, especially in the day and age that we live in now, that seeks to come against the work of the Lord and seeks to come against it in a sly way to scare us away from the work. The way that that person at work would look at you or the way that your family would treat you, the way that the world around you sees you. Well, that is so many things or so many ways as you seek to live biblically, the world would say is opposite of what you should do. It's easy to say, well, then I just won't do it. But the Bible says... And the examples within the word of God would say, no, 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 push forward. Because the priority is the work of the Lord's. The provision is from the Lord. And we are positionally set in the Lord. We don't need to shrink back in fear. We can walk forward. And Nehemiah is continually an example that we see there. He's continually and has continually been an example as the opposition comes where he withstands it. And understand this, we, we, we alluded to it last week, but I'm going to mention it again today. I've been saying it over and over again, that mission brings opposition. And that opposition, it doesn't stop. 
Here as they get near to the end of the work, understand that they're not like, oh, dang it, they're so close. Maybe we should just like, no, they're they're already close enough. We should bail and stop. No, the opposition's like, all right, let's try to get the guy. They're like, we've attacked the work. We've attacked the people. The people have attacked themselves. All right, well, that's not working. Let's just cut the head off. And they go straight for the guy. And the same will be for us. As we seek to walk with the Lord, you can expect our enemy and your flesh to seek to say, hey, man, let's get you out of the picture. You don't need to be walking in the way that God wants you to go. Go your way. Go the world's way. Desire to do this. And if you don't, man, you should be afraid of everyone because everyone won't like you. And that will be a consistent thing in our worlds and in our walk with the Lord. We can expect it. But also, too, what we should be mindful of is the fact that, again, God is with us throughout the opposition. God is with us in every bit of it and is desiring to walk us through it just as he did Nehemiah. It doesn't stop, but it continues to move forward, and the Lord continues to move forward with us. And what we see in our lives is if we walk with the Lord and seek to say, I'm going to press in and trust him and walk with him, trusting who he is and who I am in him, then we get to see what, exactly what Nehemiah sees here. Where amongst the continued opposition, he gets to see the work completed. That's an amazing thing that we get to see here. As we followed this journey of the builders there on the wall, here in verses 15 and 16, we get to see them finish that wall. Well, it says, so the wall was finished out of tw- on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. And it happened that when all of our enemies heard of it and all the nations around us saw these things, that they were very disheartened in their own eyes, for they perceived, this is so good, that this work was done by our God. Like we followed this trajectory, we followed this, this, this whole this whole story from the burden of Nehemiah to this moment, this random assortment of non-Masons. Remember the poor perfumer over there who's just learning how to wield a hammer for the first time. Like they completed this amazing work, this amazing hard physical work of building this wall and hanging these gates in some 52 days. And again, I've, I've been very honest. I am not a construction-minded guy, but I'll tell you right now, I couldn't build a and I'll tell you right now, honestly, I couldn't build a wall like this in 52 days, especially in that time, and I don't think you could either. I'm just going to say that. But with the Lord, they did. With the Lord, they did. And Nehemiah makes a note. Notice there that the enemies of the Lord and the Lord's people notice that the work was finished. Did you see that? He points out there that the enemies of the Lord, the enemies to the work, they looked and they saw it and they were, he says, disheartened because they believed indeed that this work was done by our God. And it is a simple but profound truth to be taken hold of here today. That when you and I, when we walk, step out on mission for the Lord, step out in faith and do the work that he's called us to do, that yes, mission brings opposition. People will notice, even in a good way, people notice. And that's what we want. We want the witness of us, of us working with the Lord to stick out. Because as we move forward and as we gain ground and as we see the Lord glorified and moving in our lives and in the lives of those around us, the people who are witnessing to, they see it, but so does our enemy. And understand that is something so neat to, to, to point out and for us to take hold of. Because we have a very real enemy who knows that he is defeated. A very real enemy who through the work of Jesus Christ knows that he is ultimately ended. He knows the end of the same way that we do, though he tries to gain ground continually. When we as believers walk with the Lord and see him glorified in our lives and see ground gained for God. And the enemy notices that as well. And I believe, as we see here in the Bible, that that is disheartening to the enemy. 
That is a disheartening thing to the enemy. And it is a witness through us as God's people, as we move forward with him through opposition and through the adversity, that that speaks out. And sadly, what happens is many of us, many believers in this day and age and in days and ages before us, and I would guess, well, the Bible tells us in days after us, should the Lord tarry, will not get to dishearten the enemy. So often it's easy just to say, well, the opposition is here, so I'm not going to step out in the first place because I know it's going to meet me. Or maybe within it, maybe I'm going to cool it for a little bit. I'll still work for the Lord, but I'm going to take a step back from what I was doing or maybe just quits altogether. Which sends a message to those around us that maybe we didn't have it. Maybe our God didn't have it. Maybe our God just wasn't with us like we said that he was or like we showed or sought to show that he was. But when we, like I said, press into the Lord, when we have a mind to work, a mind to lean in and a heart and a mind to say, God, no matter what comes, I know that you're with me. Well, what we get to see and what we get to show is a testimony of God's faithfulness and of his faithfulness to and through his people that shines out to this world. It shines out to a world that says, man, I want to see what God does here. I want to see what God is doing in that, in, the, in that group of people. I want to see what God is doing in that person. And as we are that person that leans in and says, Lord, I want you to use me no matter what comes when the end of our journey comes, whether it be the end of our life or just the end of a season, they can look and say, man, God was with you. God was moving. God was working. And perhaps that's a challenge to some of you here today because maybe you're like me who have those days and those weeks where it's like, man, I do want to step back. No, I don't want to step out. Yes, I do want to quit. And I'll be honest that those days come. That's, there's, there's, no, there's no sense in lying that this life is hard for me in the same way that I know it's hard for you. And as we seek to step out for the Lord, all of us have the idea at one point or another to say it is not worth it. It is not worth the conversations. It's not worth the hardship. It's not worth the opposition from our enemy and from the flesh. It is easier just to say anything else and do anything else but that is stopping short of what God has for us. That is stopping short of what God wants to do, and that does not show the faithfulness and the power of God working through his people. And God wants to show that through you and through me and through all of us together. And if we, like Nehemiah, will press in, see God be faithful, and so will the world through us. So if you've not stepped out, if you've maybe taken a step back or you've given up, understand that that speaks just as much as the victory does. And the victory does speak. The victory speaks out and the Lord is glorified. And we finish the day and we finish this section here with indeed the work finished, which is amazing. But also too, what we see here, and another example of Nehemiah's leadership and his walking with the Lord is that he doesn't just say, all right, well, the work is done. So now we can just chill. It's coasting until, you know, whenever. No, he continues in the work by setting up a continued vigilance against further opposition. Pick up with me in verse, 15, in verse 17, and we're going to read some into chapter 7. Where it says, also in these days, this is after the work has been finished, also in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah. And the letters of Tobiah came to them, for many in Judah were pledged to him, because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Era, the son of Jehonan, and had married the daughters of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah. Also, they reported his good deeds before me and reported my words to him, and Tobiah sent letters to frighten me. We've seen that all through. 
But then it was that when the wall was built and I hung the doors, when the gatekeepers and singers and the Levites had been appointed, that I gave the charge of Jerusalem to my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the leader of the citadel, for he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. And I said to them, do not let the gates of Jerusalem be opened up until the sun is hot. And while they stand guard, let them shut and bar the doors and appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, one at his watch station and another in front of his own house. And now the city was large and it was spacious, but the people in it were few and the houses were not rebuilt. And then my God put it into my heart to gather the nobles, the rulers, the people, that they might be registered by genealogy. And I found a register of the genealogy of those who had come up in the first return, and I found written in it. And that proceeds into verse 6, which you can read those names on your own, as that is the register of names throughout the rest of, the, of chapter 7. And it's evident in these last verses of chapter 6 that there are issues that are needed to be dealt with within the people. There are people who have pledged themselves, who have pledged allegiance to Tobiah, who has been an enemy, of course, throughout all of this. And there are going to be issues that we're going to actually see handled in the next section of this book. Again, the rebuilding of the walls is the first section of this book, but then comes the restoring of God's people to the Lord. And we're going to see that there's sin that needs to be dealt with, that there's a recommittal to God's work and to God's people standing as God's people that's going to be called upon through the teaching of God's word. And we're going to start to see that next week as we start chapter 8. And this allegiance to Tobiah is going to be addressed. It will be addressed throughout. But starting chapter 7, we get insight into the fact that though the work on the wall is done, the gates are hung, it's completed, that Nehemiah, again, doesn't just hang up his leadership. He doesn't just stop going forward. He doesn't stop the mission of God. He doesn't just quit his vigilance for the people and for the city. It only actually intensifies. It takes another form. We see there in verse 1, as the work is done, he first appoints those having a position and needs to help there within, within the city. The gatekeepers, the singers, the Levites, servants of the Lord, servants within the Lord's house, servants there for the people of God to be able to come near to God. We see him set that up. As well, as well, he appoints leadership in the city besides himself. Did you notice that? He gives charge to Hanani and Hananiah because of their faithfulness and the fear of the Lord. Understand that Nehemiah, he's actually going to go back to Persia pretty soon. You'll remember back in chapter 1 and chapter 2 when he got the burden to go to Jerusalem that he goes to the king and he's like, hey, I want to go build the wall. And the king is like, ah, well, well, great, but when are you going to come back to me? He's like, how long will you be gone? And Nehemiah is going to go back And then he's going to come back after some more issues he hears about, but that's for when we get there. But he appoints leadership there to be there when he leaves. This is a great mark of a leader here. He says, I'm not going to be here. I'm going back to Persia, but I want faithful men who fear the Lord to be in charge. And so he appoints these two men. And then knowing that just because the work is done, that that doesn't mean that the enemy and the attack from the enemy is not ever looming. He sets up a guard. And notice that he sets up a guard and a schedule for the city. Notice he sets parameters on when the gates are to be open, when they're to remain closed. He also recognizes the need to take stock and register of the people that are there in the city, which, again, you have for you in the remaining verses of chapter 7. Nehemiah recognizes, he seeks to say, hey, just because the work is done, it doesn't mean that our enemy isn't still out there and scheming of how they can come and attack the work and the people of God. And so he sets up a vigilance. He sets up there a guard, and it's a proper end to the first section of the book of Nehemiah and the completion of the work of the wall. 
to see here that just because the immediate task of the Lord was done, that that doesn't mean that the work was over, that it was time just to coast until eternity. It doesn't mean the vigilance and the readiness for what the enemy can bring went away. Because it wasn't like the enemy was just like, ah, dang it, they have the walls up now. I guess we just need to find someone else to go attack. That's not what happens. Because they still hated those people. They still despised that God's people were there in the land doing what they were doing. And we know that God's people are still hated by the world around them. Because the world around us is driven by the ruler of this world, Satan at this time, who walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So in the same way, whether it be a finishing of a work or a changing of a season that you walk through with, with the Lord, it never means that you get to a point where you arrive and can just coast unto eternity. In the same way that Nehemiah here sets up this vigilance, sets up this guard and has it on his heart and mind, so too are we to have that exact same thing, church. This ever readiness, this always ready mindset, okay, whatever comes my way, I know that me and God, we're gonna face it and we're gonna handle it because my God is big. And that starts not in just having this militant mindset, understand. It's not like we're all just to be these like on guard, angry Christians just walking around like, all right, what's, what's coming at me? No, it starts in the practical things of our Christian life of just simply knowing who God is, honestly. Of just every single day waking up and saying, God, I, I want you to run and rule my life. I want to show you that I want that by now getting into your words and seeing what you have to say to me and actually reading your Bible, opening up and saying, God, what do you have for me today? To take out a pen and a piece of paper and to journal it down. Yes, guys, journal it down and say, hey, this is what I'm going to think on throughout the rest of the day. To put it in your notes on your phone and set a reminder to send you a reminder later to say, hey, I'm going to look at this verse that I read this morning and meditate on it. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm going to come to church. I'm going to worship. I'm going to fellowship. I'm going to serve in the church. I'm going to do these practical things and understand that all of these practical things, they set up within us this foundation for us to stand on. This foundation for us to stand on and to be vigilant from as we walk in this world and as we serve the Lord and expect the opposition to come. And you may say, oh, well, yeah, maybe, maybe when I was younger and was going for it with the Lord, or maybe when I'm older and I'm going to go for it with the Lord. Well, understand that if that's your mentality, then you're missing the boat. If you think that you're too old and can just coast on to you're in heaven riding on a cloud eating a banana, then you are, you, are, you, are, you are missing it. If you think that you're too young to start serving the Lord now and that you don't need to be on guard, then you are missing it. We are all called to be working and walking with God today and pouring into that and being vigilant for what he would have for us. The work that you're in right now, whatever it may be that God is doing through you, hey, Watch for the enemy. And when that work finishes, when God moves you to another season, whether it be in eternity or just to a new place and space in your life, hey, guess what? You still need to watch your back. You still need to watch what's in front of you. You need to watch and be vigilant all around. And as we do so, we grow in the Lord. We grow in our strength in the Lord. And we're not as easily tripped up by the things that would seek to come against us. You know, I wouldn't say that Nehemiah was probably a practiced guy. Like, he probably wasn't just, like he was a, a cupbearer. In the same way that that poor perfumer, he wasn't a builder. None of those on the wall were masons. It was a learned thing as they pressed into the Lord. And they realized the importance of it. That they needed to press into the Lord. And they needed with the Lord to be watching always for what was coming against them. And how they were to walk forwards. 
And so as we see here, the work, physical work stop, so too are we now going to see the spiritual work starts. But just because of that, they don't leave the physical unattended. Same for us, church. What is it that God has you today? Where did he have you yesterday? Are you still tending to the things of yesterday? Are you still tending and protecting where God has grown you out of so that you're ready for what he's taking you into? Because that is so important and so often missed by us. And so today, as we see the work end, it's a great opportunity for us to take stock of the work that we're doing. Work that is opposed as we're doing it and work that'll be opposed as we finish it. And are you, like Nehemiah, drawing your power and provision from the Lord? Are you prioritizing the work that God has for you so as to say that this is what I need to focus on, no matter what comes, this is, this is the points. And are you moving actively forward, seeking to say, Lord, I know that you're working and I want to work with you and I want to stand guard so I can stand fast against the attack that'll come my way. If you are, and you can answer those things, say, yeah, I'm nailing it. Praise God, keep going and encourage those around you. And there's no sense and shame in saying like, like, yeah, you know what? I feel good about where I'm at with the Lord. Praise God. So set up a guard, continue to have that guard set up in your heart and mind and also encourage the person next to you because more than likely, they're not in the same place that you are. If they are, praise the Lord, you too go find someone else and encourage them because eventually you're gonna find someone that's like, ah, this stinks right now. And a lot of us are in that boat often where, no, I feel the opposition. I feel the attack. I feel this coming at me. Yeah, I've dropped my guard on this place and I need to be encouraged and built up by the Lord and his word and by the body of Christ surrounding me. If you're going for it today, praise the Lord, encourage those next to you. If you're not today, if you find like so many of us that you're struggling, that the wall has holes and cracks in it, maybe the opposition right at this point is just so hot and heavy. Hey, guess what? God is with you and desiring to show himself strong with you. But you and I, we have to press in. You and I have a responsibility to say, Lord, I, I want to see you work. I want to prioritize your work. I want to do what it is that you have for me. And I want to be encouraged by you and then boldly walk forward with you. And that's what it takes for us in those moments of opposition, in those moments where vigilance needs to be put back in place, perhaps, and tended to. It's saying, God, I need you. And as we do, he's right there with you. And today is a great chance to do that. Today, as we get ready to worship and respond to God's word, which is exactly what we get to do, worship before the word, preps our heart for the word, and worship after it gives us time to respond. Today is a time for us to respond as God's people. I say, God, I want you to lead me today. I want to set up and stand fast in you, to reprioritize, to make priority your work, to know that it's going to be opposed, but I have provision and power in you. And I can stand positionally, not fearing. And as I see the work completed, as I see seasons coming to an end, as I walk through, Lord, I'm to be on guard. And you say, Justin, that's a lot to think about on a Sunday morning. Yeah, it is, but so is our Christian life. But so too, we have a God that is big enough to handle all those things with us and to strengthen us in them. And you're not alone. God is with us, which is enough for any of us. But so too, again, do we have the body of Christ. And there will be those around the sanctuary as we get ready to worship who would love to pray for you and encourage you in this today. Because again, we're all in this together. All of us are working and walking through the same. So we should encourage and pray and build one another up to walk forward and glorify our God. So let's pray. 
and then let's worship and respond to the Lord.